In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Uh, Got some big news yesterday for all the dogs, two big transfers in. So we're just going to spend the day talking about that, talking about how that affects the upcoming season. Monster news. I mean, monster news. I know if you're like, into the boards and all that kind of stuff. Like you probably were hip to this news and that it would possibly happen. And even if you aren't on the boards and you were on Twitter over the last week, you probably had some inkling that it would happen. But I feel like we've been in this position before where we've thought there was going to be a big name ad like this and it just didn't happen. So for those two additions to be announced, within what i think the stories on twitter from 24 7 dropped within like seven minutes of each other yeah right it it was quick yeah so and i mean i guess we shouldn't bury the lead and just assume everybody knows who it is so the dogs add darion kendrick and arik gilbert two monster ads to that roster shoring up um obviously a position in need uh, at cornerback with kendrick and then I wouldn't necessarily say tight end was an area of need, but all the reports I've seen are that he's coming to play wide receiver. And two, I think in the minds of Kirby and Coach Munkin, they want him to be the George Pickens step in while George is out. I mean, that, that's what I'm envisioning when I see this, uh, which when you look at his body type is insanity, right? Like what, he played at 250 last year? Although yeah. I've seen Terrence Edwards say that he thinks – He'll play at like 235, which, God, dude, can you imagine how just cut up he'll be at 235? But um, And I'm going to take Terrence Edwards' word on that. I mean, Terrence Edwards has been his position coach for a number of years, has a good relationship with him. So we're going to take Terrence's word on that, and I would love that, right? 235, you got him rolling out, and then you got Darnell at tight end. And, I mean, dude, they're, it, it's, it's going to be insane the amount of weapons that they're going to roll out offensively. And if this doesn't indicate to you that the spring game is what we are going to see in real life and they're just going to fling it around the yard, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, does this not tell you that they're going to throw it 40 times a night? It definitely does. As long as the offensive line holds up, I mean, that's definitely what the plan is. You don't bring in these weapons and not plan to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, and then you had Darion Kendrick on the other side, who's all ACC corner, um, obviously had the pending legal charges, the two misdemeanors, which apparently by all accounts are going to get dropped. Um, so Kirby obviously felt comfortable moving forward. If it's good enough for Kirby Paul Smart, it's good enough for me. So let's roll. I mean, so dude, what's that now? That's three additions in the secondary. 
which you and I have talked about this offline, but that just tells me that Kirby is taking no chances. He knows this roster is built to do not just win an SEC title, but built to win a national title. And he is all in pushing all the chips to the middle and saying, we're going to do it. And we think these guys give us the best shot. I mean, I know these guys keep coming out and saying that, you know, Alabama and Clemson are still national title favorites or whatever. But, dude, how can you look at this roster and not legitimately have a conversation about Georgia being the leading contender to win the national title? I mean, dude, they have the quarterback coming back with the most game experience at the college level. And I would argue the most loaded roster on both sides of the football. No? I think it, the reason the national media is going to say that, continue to say that Clemson and Alabama and probably even Ohio State are going to be the favorites is stigma. One. And two, we still have to contend with Alabama. Those other schools, Clemson, Ohio State, if somehow a Pac-12 team comes through unscathed, they don't have to contend with another team until they get to the playoffs. We do. That's the issue. And that's going to be the issue I'm really for Bama this year, too. They have to contend with us. Last year, there was really no resistance until the SEC championship game at Florida. And really, that was just a shootout. And, you know, they, they had that, you know, they got a two, two score, two, three score lead and Florida was playing catch up the whole game. So it's just it, it's it's stigma and Georgia can't win the big one in 1980 and all that other bullshit that just continues to be spun by rival fan bases and national media. It, it's, it's just it's become the stigma of Georgia. And until we win, it's just going to stick. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think that's real. Right. I, I don't discount that. I think that's real. Um, I just think every year is its own vacuum. Right. And dude, this is, can you remember a team that was more talented top to bottom in Athens than this one? Before the transfers, I couldn't remember a team that was more talented top to bottom. Me neither. You know, before, before Ty Smith came in, I couldn't remember a team that was more talented top to bottom. It's just young talent. We talked about that back in what, after the national signing day, it was just young talent. But yeah. talent-wise, I, I can't think of a team that's been more talented than this. So this is the other thing we've talked about offline. I think what is so interesting about this roster construction right now is that not only do, do things set up really well for JT Daniels and his jump year, but that roster is still going to be loaded for Brock's redshirt freshman year. Or I guess technically he could be a true sophomore depending on how much playing time he gets. But the hope is that obviously he doesn't. Um, or shit, maybe the hope is that he does because we're blowing so many people out that he's getting game time uh, in the second half all year. However you want to look at it. Either way, that 2022 roster doesn't look much less daunting than the 2021 one does. I mean, what are they going to lose Well, I shouldn't say that. Jordan Davis is going to be a huge loss, right? I mean, that's a monster loss. I think we talked about, we think Nicobe will leave. I think Nicobe will be a big loss. I think Lewis Seen's going to leave, so that's a big loss. You're going to lose catcher, shortstop, and center field from the defense, which I've talked about before how big a deal I think that is. So, I mean, I'm not debating if those are going to be big losses. I'm just saying 
the way Kirby has built this and the way the coaching staff has built this roster. And I, I know it probably seems like we make this comparison a lot, but why the hell wouldn't you? They've been the standard of excellence for over a decade. They are getting into Alabama territory when it comes to roster construction, where you lose massive contributors and you go, well, it'll be all right, <laughs> which seems like banana land that we even are having those conversations just because. Could you imagine us having that conversation in 2016? I mean, not re- I can't even really imagine it happening in 2017. 2018 was the first year you really kind of started to see it formulate. And yeah. then th- you started to see it. But, I mean, we're starting to see the fruits of all the, that recruiting labor. Um, it, it's, it's starting to come to fruition more and more and more. I'm just telling you, too, man. Like, at the spring game, for the first time, really, I mean, I kind of thought it last year when we were at the cocktail party and the year before when we had the Notre Dame game. But I mean, it was unmistakable at the spring game. They look different. Like one to 93, they look different on the sideline. Like they're just, you just go, Oh man, you could pick him out and he could go start somewhere else just because of physical gifts. And uh, they're just, they look like a contender. And I think there's something to be said for that. Like they are just full of guys that are primed and ready to show out. And man, I, I don't know that I've been as excited for a season as I am for this one. And I think, I think if we're being honest, most of that has to be attributed to the fact that we have a returning starting quarterback with no type of drama surrounding that position. (laughs) Like, I don't know. We had that what in 12 and we saw what happened that year with Aaron. We had it in 19. Well, well, we did, we did have it in 19, but but we also, we were extremely excited for the offense in 19. I remember sitting in the stands at Vanderbilt and we could not wait for the offense to come out. We just didn't know what we were getting in Coley. Like, yeah, I, I think you that can't tell a, me I'm wrong there. So I think that's a great point. I think two things that we discounted, not just the James Coley thing. I, I mean, dude, I, I, I don't think it get talked about enough how big J. a J. deal Holland. it was. Yeah, JJ Holland not being on that roster turned out to be massive. Yeah. Because um, you could make the argument that in the games Lawrence Cager played and was healthy even though Coley's play calling was horrendous, Jake had that safety blanket that he could still fling it to, and they were good enough, right? Yeah. Um, he was his Javon, He was the Javon Wims of that team. Yeah, and I think by the end of the year, Don Blaylock had turned into enough of a playmaker where they had another weapon. So, you know, yeah. you say what you want about the 19 team, and that was the year of LSU, and that's how it will always be remembered, and rightfully so, but LSU didn't see a fully healthy Georgia or a fully rostered Georgia as they should have been, right? No J.J. Holloman, no Dom Blaylock for the majority of the game, and George Pickens didn't play when the game was actually in question. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. I mean, we could rehash that that SEC championship game over and over and over again, but when that game was still in question, I mean, Jake missed some wide open throws those first two drives that would have been big chunk plays. Not saying that would have led to touchdowns, but they would have been 30, 40 yard chunk plays that would have at least got us in field goal range that would have, I mean, 
we weren't going to beat LSU that year. We just weren't. No one was beating LSU that year. They were their offense was unstoppable, but we still held them to thirty-seven points. Where they only they, they only were held under uh, forty twice, and we were one of them. So most people would probably tell you that Jake's worst game as a Bulldog was the South Carolina game where he had the three picks and they lost. I would argue wholeheartedly that it was the SEC title game in nineteen. I thought it was the worst game of his college career. I mean, he looked about as pedestrian as you can look. And I'd never seen him look like that before. He missed tons of throws. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. This, this is in 2019. You're completely off topic. This is, this is 2021. You're completely off topic. <laughs> I am going to live in the joy of optimism for this team and how freaking loaded they are. And... I mean, at this point, dude, we're just at the point where we're going, everybody stay healthy. Please, everyone stay healthy. Um, because that's really the only thing I can see derailing yeah. this team is injuries, is some type of thir- 2013 injuries, which oh, God. we can't possibly be that cursed where that would happen twice in a decade. I mean, that was, that was uncanny, the barrage of injuries that occurred that year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I have boundless optimism about this season and what could happen. I think the other thing, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, dude, this ain't murderer's row this team is going to face from a schedule perspective. Like, they get past Clemson, and I've said this 10 times, but does Florida really scare you with their roster construction this year? I mean, they can't. They just can't. They, they, they're going to stink. I'm just going to say that they had a generational talent in Kyle Pitts and they had a quarterback who really understood what Mullen wanted to do. And they still weren't great. I mean, yeah, they beat us, but they beat us with fourth string quarterback. So we don't need to rehash that either, but I'm just saying everything happened how it needed to happen for Florida to win the East and be in the national championship picture and what they ended the season with three straight losses. So like, I don't know. I just, they don't scare me at all. And I think that is the only game on the schedule other than Clemson that you go, okay, this is one that we might have to bite our nails a little bit about the rest of them. I will be disappointed if they don't win by three touchdowns in every other game. As long as Dan Mullen is the coach of Florida, Florida will not scare me. Yeah, even same. even in a season where they beat us like last season, they will not scare me. Yeah, until so, I am proven wrong and we lose like we did last year, they will not scare me. They're just they just nothing about him is intimidating. Nothing about him exudes even confidence. He just he he's just a doofus. Yeah. And I mean, He's you and I talked about this forever ago. Like you, you made the comment about you picture him having a cardboard cutout of Dak Prescott in his office. And like, I, you know, now it's Kyle Trask and Dak Prescott, maybe with a side of Kyle Pitts in there. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I just think he's a huge dweeb. And I, I think as long as Grantham's the defensive coordinator, they can't scare you. Right. And that seems to be a marriage that's not going away. And they just extended Mullen. So, also, can we just talk about, it is preposterous that Dan Mullen makes more money annually than Kirby Paul Smart. Preposterous. I mean, 
I mean, I guess good on Dan Mullen for tricking the Florida administration into paying him not, but that is a travesty that he is making more money annually than KPS. I told you before LSU, or maybe it was after LSU, I can't remember, um, that – or I, mean, I don't remember. This might have been on the podcast. I can't remember at this point that Mullen was going to turn last season into what Malzahn turned 17 into. Which is insane. I just, oh, God. They're just giving money away in Gainesville. I mean, and hey, I'm all for it. Love it. As a Georgia fan, love it. Let's let's hash this out a little bit. I sent you um, that that article, that headline of that article, and I don't know if you read the article or not a few weeks ago, about how it just sparked this huge debate and, like, got Florida fans all in an uproar that basically said that, if Florida, there are some Florida fans who would trade Mullen for or trade Mullen to get Smart, but there's not a Georgia fan on the planet who would trade Smart for Mullen. Absolutely and Florida true. fans are defending this. And the basis of the article is is like, okay, let's say you're Wisconsin, and Wisconsin has an opening. Who's their coach? Chris? Is it Chris still? I can't even remember. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. retires or gets fired or whatever. And they in Wisconsin has no and they have the choice of Mullen or Kirby. Which one is the Wisconsin fans gonna want? No skin in the game. They're gonna want Kirby, not Mullen. And Florida yeah. fans like just they're dying on this hill, and I don't get it. Neither one of them have won a national championship. The difference, I mean, Kirby's won an SDC championship, but you know. Mullen has won nothing at all. He's won ever. one SEC East division. He's won ever. Coach, yeah. a head coach, a lot longer. Yeah, I, I didn't even know this is like uh, – I, I didn't even know this is like something we're debating. Like, that's not even an argument. Like, that's something somebody brings up and you look at him like, no, nah, dude, we're just going to talk about something else. I'm not even going to waste any time talking about that. Like, that's not even, that's not even a debate. I mean <laughs> – like the just comments crazy. on the article were just—I felt like I was in the loony bin, like reading it. I'm like, why is this an argument? And like, of course, people post it on Twitter, and then it just—you know—the comments on Twitter just go nuts. Thank God you only have you know 280 characters. I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, this would be like Georgia fans in the '90s trying to make the argument that they wouldn't have traded for Steve Spurrier. <laughs> I mean, of course you would have yeah, taken Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because he's the rival coach? I mean, that's just – that's ass night. So, yeah. I mean, Spurrier whipped our ass for, what, 12 straight years? <laughs> I mean, he owned us. So, anyway, yeah. that, we, can, we can move on. I just, I just wanted to bring that up because we were talking about Mullen. Well, I mean, just to kind of transition back, to the initial part of the conversation and tie it into Dan Mullen. Gilbert was originally committed once he entered the portal to Florida and then walked away from that. Are you telling me Dan Mullen didn't have something to do with that? Like he had to go, wait a minute, I can't do this. <laughs> and it wasn't even, it was quick. It was like what two weeks. If that. Yeah. I, I would love to hear the full, full story on that. Like, why that fell apart because I think everybody was a little bit surprised that 
that was the initial pick anyways. I mean, I know everybody made the parallels. Well, oh, he's going to go be the next Kyle Pitts and blah, blah, blah. But, like, dude, part of the Kyle Pitts thing is you had Kyle Trask to throw it to you, right? Like, does Kyle Pitts have the same year if Emory Jones is throwing it to him? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. So, I mean, you have to evaluate that as the pass catcher is who is going to deliver me the football on time and in the right space. So, yeah, that's obviously a piece of it. And it can't hurt having JT Daniels just lighting up the scoreboard with multiple receivers at Georgia and going, oh, that would be fun. So, yeah, I think that's a piece of it. And obviously, he has good relationships with Jermaine Burton and Darnell Washington, right? Like, we had talked about this before. I don't, I can't remember which article laid it out. I think it was Rusty Mansell's article. I don't want to give credit to the wrong person, but Whoever wrote this, it's a great tidbit, laid out that part of the reason that Darnell Washington's social media handle on Instagram is DBA Uno, and part of the reason that Jermaine Burton's Instagram is DB Assassin is because the three of them got tight during recruiting and gave themselves the moniker DB Assassins. So, I mean, obviously there are relationships there for him, right? Um, and isn't he tight with the Ojolaris? Like, didn't they all go to high school together? Yeah, they went to Marietta. Yeah. So, I mean, I know BJ's still at LSU, but obviously he's got kinship with Aziz, and Aziz can tell him what it's like inside the building and all those type things. So, I don't know. I Good synergy there to, to land to land him as a, as a transfer. So, plus, man, you just got the ultimate wild card in Kirby. Like, he just – I don't know, man. You just can't tell me there's a better closer in the country than him. Well, I would take the argument that Nick Saban is a better closer just because, you know, it's Nick Saban. Yeah. I've said he holds the ultimate trump card where he can go into any living room in America and go, if your son comes to play for Alabama, he will have a national title within the four years that he's there. And he's not saying that speculatively. He can literally show you the receipts (laughs) for every recruit that he's ever had at Alabama. It's hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah. Even Kirby Small, Paul Smart has a hard time taking over that Trump card, right? So, yeah, I, uh, that, that's the one argument I'll take on that one from a closer's perspective. But, dude, I don't want to discount the Darion Kendrick thing either. Like, we're talking a kid that went to Clemson to play wide receiver, is such a good athlete, such a good football player, that they convert him to DB and he becomes first-team All-ACC DB. And you're adding that player in your defensive backfield at what I don't think anybody would argue is a definite position of need, if for no other reason, from an experience perspective, right? Like, you're getting a guy that's going to step in day one and has more snaps in prime time than anybody that's playing cornerback at Georgia right now, even a mere speed. So that's a great thing. I mean, we've gone from spring ball talking about starting to a redshirt freshman and a true freshman at outside and potentially junior, maybe senior at star to starting still a redshirt freshman because I think Ringo is still going to start. Then a senior and a, I think, Ty Smith, a redshirt junior um, being the three starters now. 
all in the span yeah. of what two months i mean that's yeah. a heck of a turn i mean the starting defensive now, i'm not saying that Nylon green isn't going to play because he's going to play yeah so is keely ringo like they're both oh, yeah. still i think keely's still going to start i think keely's going to be i think keely's going to be one of the starters yeah I, I do too i i feel way more conviction in saying that after the spring game just because dude he he checks all the boxes i mean he is real so I, I think he, by the end of the year, is going to be a a name people all across America know who he is because that's how good he's going to be. I just I feel that way. Um, yeah, I, dude, they are. I, I think now you would consider defensive backfield a position of depth for Georgia, which is insane when you look at where things started. So, and you're losing essentially two first round picks at cornerback and maybe won't miss it, <laughs> which is insane. Well, let's not even discount that. There's been eight defensive – we're going to have eight different defensive backs from last year's roster. Yeah, that's, that's true. insane. That's a huge amount of turnover for one position group in an offseason. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Between the transfers – Plus the coach. Uh, let's not forget that. The coach, too. Plus the coach. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, it also can't hurt, right, that you add a guy – who's gone up against the offense that you're playing against week one for, well, was a member of the offense originally and then covered them for two years in practice every day. So can't hurt. Say, say what you want, but that can't hurt. Um, yeah, man, I think it makes things super intriguing. And I don't know. I just feel like if you're a dogs fan and you are not, I mean, I know we've been doing the countdown on social for the games and like, it just seems so far away, like excruciatingly far away. And I needed to get here sooner rather than later. Um, but the, the countdown is helping a little bit. Like it does at least give me a ticker to look forward to, I guess you could say. And hey, we did 93 today. Baluda Scott 93 was the release today. And also, I really hope people picked up on that. Like that was a little bit of an obscure countdown reference, but I hope that was just second nature for most of the fan base to pick up on that as the 93 day kickoff ticker. Um, because I mean, look, the obvious choice is Richard Seymour, right? Like, yeah, duh. but come on, Luda Scott. It's, yeah. it's one of the most iconic plays in history. It, I think it has to be the most iconic play in Georgia history. Right? Like, I don't think there's a more iconic play. There's definitely not a more iconic call. I can tell you that. Yeah. Plus I, I just feel like, you know, lest we forget, absent that play, they don't win the national title. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is exactly true. So, I don't know. I just feel like that that has to be the number one with a bullet. Uh, iconic play in Georgia history for sure. Um, so, yeah, I am just fired up, man. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I expected the news to come out this week. I just didn't expect it within, like, Seven to eight minutes of each other on Tuesday. <laughs> Which man, no, I think y'all. It was good. Go you ahead. also have to give a shout out to the guys that have their ear to the ground on this, right? Like guys like Roddy and Rusty and that whole crew. Like all the guys that are, you know, in the know when it comes to Georgia football. Whether it be, you know, whichever whichever site you follow and whichever board you're on. 
man, those guys are tuned in. Like it all, it never ceases to amaze me. The stuff they know, like way before the general public knows. I love that. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I will tell you the big turning point for me is when Seth Emerson preemptively tweeted before he went on vacation. I am going on vacation. I have pre-written articles based on some things that I've heard that may or may not come out this week. I went, whoop, antennas way up. <laughs> <laughs> like Seth feels good about it where he's pre-writing articles before he goes vac- on vacation to release when the news happens. I was like, oh, baby, this is going to be a monster week. <laughs> and let's not so, yeah. forget. Let's not forget. You know, dead period's over. Over. Too. So, yeah, so that's a great point. So all of that is happening in the midst of like every major recruiting prospect being in Athens simultaneously. I would not be surprised if we have most of the 22 class locked down before the season starts. And then we kind of just pick and choose via attrition and people having, you know, breakout, you know, seasons come up here, you know, in the 22 season. I would not be surprised that that's that what's our, what's you see start to accumulate um, before the season starts. Like, I think most of the class is going to be locked now because people, there's going to be more people that want to come than there are spots. Did you give Kirby that facility and then his natural recruiting faculties? Like, all I kept thinking about was the scene from Tommy Boy when. David Spade's character, Richard, is a little bit drunk, and he's talking about uh, Zelensky Auto Parts taking over Callahan and going, Towns, Towns the fish, or Towns the people are the fish, Towns the barrel, fish in a barrel, man. Like, that's all I could think about. Like, that's what it is. That's what recruiting has become for Kirby, just fish in a barrel. Like, he is going to be unbeatable, dude. I mean, can we talk about the pictures that the Recruits were leaking and the videos of the facility. I mean, dude, it looks awesome. And you can't, you can't tell me the critically. Okay. You can take a picture of this, 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 and this, and this is all I want to see on social. Everything else is we're keeping low key for now. Yeah. But I will say my favorite part is that every picture that has come up on social of the recruits with Kirby is of them standing in front of Kirby's murals in the building. I mean, what a flex. Like, I love that. I am hoping that's his office and that entire wall that is muraled out to Kirby is right outside of his office. Like, I need that to be the truth. I need that to be reality. I just love that. Like, I don't know. That was, that was my favorite. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. I, the, the, the next best thing would be some murals of his, like, famous Twitter gifts. Like, could we get one of him putting the glasses on as one of the murals on the wall? Like an interactive one that actually moves? I think that would be fantastic. That'd be good, too. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good, too. I don't guess they can do that because that would be, like, a big-time flex, but that would be – that's the content I'm here for. So, yeah. I uh, obviously a lot of exciting things happening. I mean, and dude, this is supposed to be like the, the lull time, like sleepy June. Nothing's really happening. We're just in the dead of summer. Football seems so far away. 
But dude, electric. All week it's felt electric and I'm all about it. So let me ask you this then. With those two additions, where do you sit on your confidence in the dogs win week one in Charlotte? Are you now like more confident or are you like still, man, I don't know, I'm still 50-50 on it? To me, it's still it, – I'm not any more confident than I was. I still think the dogs are going to win. I still don't think it's going to be a blowout. I still think it's going to be a dog fight because it, I, I don't know what the offensive line is going to look like. That is the key to the season for me is what the offensive line is going to look like, especially week one, especially going up against that defensive front. Clemson is going to have the best defensive front we're going to see all season. That's the strength of that team right there. That front four, they can get to the quarterback with just four. They don't have to blitz. Now, their back seven is not if, – if we the offensive line holds up, JT's going to pick one apart because the back seven, I'm not worried about as much. The front four, though, those two DNs, I mean, those are, those are Sunday players. Those are day one picks, most likely. Murphy and Breezy or Breezy or however you say it, those yep. are day one picks. Yeah, so for me – Week one's always a wild card when you play an and actual actually, we don't know big who, opponent. We don't know who the left- yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I just think week one is a, a proving ground for anybody when you're actually playing somebody because you just don't know who you are. And I've said a thousand times, for me, I think maybe more so than any other sport, football teams are a living, breathing organism. Like the Georgia team that we see in Atlanta – for the SEC championship is not going to look like the team that we see week one in Charlotte. They're going to be totally different teams. Um, it's just, is that week one Georgia team going to have enough juice and enough moxie and enough backbone to pull it out? Right. Like, I think they are unquestionably the better team. I don't, I don't even think you can make that argument. Like their roster is better. I, I just, I don't even think that's debatable. I just think they're a better roster than Clemson's roster. I know people keep talking about, oh, Clemson's got all 11 guys come back on defense. Hey, that's great. What did Ohio State put on them the last time they were on the field? 40-some points? Like, excuse me if I'm not super nervous about that defense. Like, I don't know. I just – and the offense, their offense has as much unproven commodity as any factor in the game now, right? Like, yeah, Justin Ross can be back. But, dude, DJ, I know he had snaps last year, but it's still going to be his first, you know – game as the entrenched starter and not as a fill-in where people are going, hey, man, you're playing with house money. Nobody's expecting us to win up at Notre Dame Stadium. Just go let it rip and see what happens. So, I don't know. I feel like we have less unknown now as a roster and as a team. So, I do feel more confident about it with those two additions. Because I think if and, you're lining Barry and Kendrick up week one, I think that gives everybody you... He, everybody he's talking to Ross is going to be what Justin Ross was before this injury. I mean, that's not, that's not, this isn't an ACL tear or something like this. This is a, this is a unique injury for a wide receiver to come back from. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying he isn't going to come back from and be the same player he was, but we just don't know. And we aren't going to know until he steps on the field. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I feel like, especially at that position where explosiveness is so important. You just never know, man, like how he's going to be or how it's going to look in game action and all that stuff. So, again, I just, for me, the biggest unknown in the game is Clemson's offense. What are they going to be? Um, and I don't think you can say that about Georgia's offense or their defense, really. I mean, yeah, I know they got to replace guys on the boundary, but 
dude, a lot of that defense has a ton of snaps under their belt. And Chris Smith and Lewis Seen have a ton of snaps under their belt. So I just feel like Georgia has a lot less unknown going into the game. And I don't think you can make the argument. I mean, Georgia has the advantage in the kicking game. I think that's pretty hard and fast. They're going to have um, Ray Guy and Lou Groza award finalists kicking for them, don't you think? I mean, I think both those guys, if they do what they're capable of, are going to be in the finalists for those two awards. So feel great about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, adding these two guys are big ads to me, man. I think they're big value ads and guys who have numbers to back up the hype, right? We're not talking big name freshmen that we're adding in the recruiting pool. We're talking guys that have played at the college level and have put up results. Gilbert was freshman All-American, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just – monster additions. So, he was the, he was LSU's leading receiver, and he yeah. missed the last two games. Or, no, yeah. he missed the last game. They didn't play in the bowl. Yeah, man. And you got Terrence Edwards coming out saying he's super focused and he's in great shape and all this stuff. And I'm going, huh. are you telling me that he wasn't super focused and not in great shape when he was a freshman All-American? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I the thing I immediately thought of after they made the addition was we don't have enough footballs. Like they literally can't play with enough footballs for all the receivers that are going to need to touch the ball in the course of a Georgia football. Game. Like, how are they going to throw it enough for all these guys? They're going to have to throw it 50 times a game. Well, I love the fact that I mean, one of the things we talked about with George going down was one of the was who was going to step up to take double teams. We don't have to worry about that now. No, nope, he's there. Don't. And if another person develops into into that, then you know you got to pick your poison. You can't cover them all. It's not yeah. possible. And then if you have Zeus and Cook coming out of the backfield or Kendall coming out of the backfield, all the running backs can catch. Kenny coming out of the backfield, you can't stop them all. You run four wide with one of those backs, you really can't. Someone's gonna be open. It's not possible to cover them all. Yeah, I just think, yeah. Yeah, they, they absolutely can't double anybody. There's too many weapons. So, boy, it, it could be some serious fireworks come September 4th, and I am here for it. Me too, well, brother. Me too. That's all I got today, man. You got anything else? Nope. I think we're good for today. All right, brother. Well, we are – countdown is still on. We're at 92 days tomorrow morning, and – Boy, it can't get here soon enough, homie. So, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.